Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline, the place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your host, Erin Royer. In today's episode, I'm answering some more questions from listeners. The first, about issues and complications with growing out of naps with two and three-year-old boys. The second question is from a mom of a 20-month-old about sharing and when to expect it, how to encourage it in age-appropriate ways and working with another parent who has a different view on how to deal with sharing issue than you do. The first question is from Lisa, and she writes, Hello, Erin. I love your podcast and listen to every episode. I appreciate your approach to parenting, and although I make a lot of mistakes, you know, at Lisa, who doesn't? (laughs) I always look to your advice and reminds me what to strive for. And one thing I want to say really quickly about mistakes, and then I'll get back to Lisa's question, I don't know if I'd call them mistakes. I think they're opportunities for us to learn and move on and do better. You know, one thing I learned about parenting as I've moved through this process is my children give me a huge opportunity for growth. And I'm sure there's probably a lot of other parents out there like me. But when I first started this journey, I really wanted to be a parent because I wanted, (laughs) I'm going to laugh now, I really wanted to raise an amazing human being and and now amazing human beings. And I felt like I had so much to give and so much to share with them that I would make just an amazing parent. And that has all turned out to be true. But what's also turned out to be true and the most surprising thing to me is that my children have helped me grow as a person probably at least as much, if not more, then I am helping them become great people. So I don't think there's any such thing as mistake. You know, we do something and we learn and we move on and we grow. And those are just great, amazing opportunities. And our kids are going to constantly be pushing us to be better people. And when we take that opportunity and run with it, then it's definitely not a mistake. It is meant to be. It's meant to help us grow. And we are taking that opportunity to be the best that we can be while we're teaching them to be the best that they can be. Okay, so back to Lisa's questions. She says, I have two boys, 13 months apart, ages two and three. They share a room and the routine for ages has been that they go down for a nap at noon and wake up at two every single day and then have bedtime at seven. I'm very serious about keeping their routine like clockwork because it's the best way to keep their behavior manageable for me. However, recently they've shown the signs of dropping naps. It takes them longer to fall asleep until late in the afternoon, and then if they do nap, they stay up late into the night. All of the advice is the same. If they're showing these signs, it's time to drop their nap. But if they don't nap, they're completely melting down by four o'clock, and I can't even get them through dinner. It seems like overnight they went from having a two-hour nap every day to needing two hours of high-intensity exercise every day. They're very high energy boys, and if I don't get them lots of exercise, they act completely stir crazy. But even after I wear them out, they still don't take naps, but they're tired and cranky. 
It bears mentioning that they dropped their naps right when we moved and started them both in preschool, one and a half hours, twice a week. Now that was six months ago, and ever since, every day had been different with no consistency. Their dynamic is already draining me with them being two young boys so close in age, but this recent change in their behavior coupled with sudden boundless energy, I just feel our life is in total chaos right now. When we had the routine, we were all thriving and I could get a lot done. Without the routine, I'm so frazzled and burnt out, I can't get anything done, even when they do fall asleep. I really want to get my life back and would love to hear your thoughts on this behavior. Thank you so much. Sincerely, Lisa. Well, Lisa, you're in an interesting stage right now. And by interesting, I mean frustrating. In reality, three years old, and especially two years old, is early to drop naps. For the three-year-old, it's not out of the normal range. Two is a little bit early. But the truth is, there's not a lot you can do to force their naps, obviously. So I think it's time to do some troubleshooting to figure out how you can make this new routine, this new normal, workable for you and for everyone, at least to the best of your ability. So I'm going to go through some ideas here. So there's a couple of areas you can attack. First is to try to make the day into more of a routine that their body clocks and their brains can get more in rhythm with. So some ways to do that could be working the preschool in more days a week so that that's more part of the daily routine throughout the week. The second thing is to have the required quiet time. So instead of a nap, a lot of times What is a good thing to do for kids who are in this transition stage is a quiet time with a minimum of 20 minutes. Now, what I did with my kids is started with a minimum of 20 minutes and moved it up to 45 minutes to an hour. They don't need to fall asleep, but they do need to rest quietly in their rooms and do something quiet. They can look at books, play with stuffed animals, sing songs, any number of quiet activities, even Play with some Legos if you want to allow that, some toys in there if you want to allow that, or if you just want to see if they'll try to fall asleep, try to keep it to books or something else very quiet while laying in their beds and see if you can get them back to taking some short naps because sometimes just letting them lay there and quiet down will be enough to let them fall asleep and then not letting them sleep too long if you're finding that it's bumping into the evening time and they're not falling asleep at night. So they may fall asleep. They may not, and that's okay. And you would let them know this. You would say to them, you don't need to fall asleep, but this is quiet time, and I will come in and get you when it is over. Now, with two boys in one room, that may present a little bit of a challenge for you. If they will sit quietly together in the room, that would be optimal, but not likely. So you have to figure out another way to give them each their quiet time if this isn't going to work for them, if they can't handle doing it together. Either their quiet times are at different times, or you find another room for the second child, or any other number of options that you can think of that will work for your situation. Now the other thing you may want to do if they're getting really tired in the late afternoon, they're not falling asleep during their quiet time, it's not enough to rejuvenate them, is you can shift their evening routine earlier so that dinner is earlier and bedtime is earlier so you're not dealing too much with the crazy meltdowns throughout the evening. So you could try moving dinner to five o'clock and getting them to bed by six instead of seven. This is up to you. And then here's another option that might be good just for your own information. 
and that's to track their sleep. How much sleep are they getting in a day? So if they're falling asleep by seven and waking up at seven, then they're getting 12 hours of sleep a day. And this is just so that you can see if they're getting within the recommended range of sleep for their age. So in the class, Toddler Sleep and Beyond, I have a chart that I go over about how much sleep on average is needed by age. So by two years old, toddlers will sleep 12 and a half to 13 hours total. At three years old, the total hour stays pretty much the same. It's 12 to 13 hours, but they may sleep longer at night and may begin to stop their naps by three. While some kids will nap until five, and I'm sorry to tell you, Lisa, this is probably not going to be the case for you. I was always so jealous of those parents whose kids would nap up until they were five years old and then still go to sleep so easily at night. So for two years old, between 12 and a half and 13 hours total. For three years old, between 12 and 13 hours total a day. And then as they move towards four to five, it's going to be 11 to 12 total hours of sleep at night. So you could track their sleep and see if they're falling within those normal ranges of sleep. And if they're not, then that's something you'll want to look at. Now your kids are most likely on the lower end. So your two-year-old may be only getting 12 and a half hours a day, and your three-year-old may only be getting 12 hours a day. Um, And that will be the normal for your kids. Now the other piece of this is unfortunately, sometimes we as parents need to manage our own expectations. I remember when my twins were not quite a year and a half, maybe 14, 15 months old, and they were in that sweet spot with naps, two naps a day, 12 hours of sleep at night, morning nap for an hour to an hour and a half, and an afternoon nap around two hours long. My oldest was also still taking afternoon naps around one and a half to two hours a day. And it had taken me pretty much that entire time up to that 14 months of age to get this beautiful schedule. And I don't remember how long it lasted, maybe a month or two. And all of a sudden, Carter turns three. Now, I also had taken away his pacifier, but boom, the kid stops napping. Now, he was fine. And as I've shared before, he also is one of these super high energy kids who just doesn't need a lot of sleep. I, however, was in tears. I was not ready for him to stop napping. I really looked forward to that hour, hour and a half every afternoon that I could just go around the house and clean up some stuff and get caught up and do dishes and laundry and straighten up and clean up the mess from lunch and even sit down for 10 minutes. What I realized very quickly, though, was that that was my problem, not his. And I hate delivering this news and it's not what parents want to hear a lot of times. But the fact of the matter is that it just may be time for them to drop their naps and you have to figure out a way around it. Now, whether that's switching out the schedule, getting them to bed earlier in the evening to give yourself some more time during the evening, having them spend more time in preschool, perhaps the older one, does a couple full days a week of preschool. Maybe the younger one will start to nap again if his brother's not around or putting each of them in three or four days a week if you can. You'll just have to really think about your options and what you can try and see what sticks. And here's one of these lessons we all learn pretty early on in our journey of raising our kids. And that is that once we get everything all set up, beautiful and like a well-oiled machine, something changes and throws the whole thing out of whack. And then that we all have to try to get these pieces all working together again for the benefit of the most or the whole of the family. Now, the other thing to keep in mind, Lisa, is I know this isn't easy and I know this is a a tough 
kind of gauntlet you're going to have to get through. And hopefully you'll be able to troubleshoot, get this smoothed out so that you're not feeling so stressed so that they're getting a little more sleep and not getting so cranky at the end of the day. But regardless, just remember this is a stage that it won't last forever, that it won't last long, that this will work itself out. So get in there, do some troubleshooting, work on some ways that you can make this work a little smoother for everyone. You know, and I remember this again, when my oldest was a baby, he had that horrible colic, that screaming, crying from four o'clock in the afternoon on until I would put him to bed, no matter how much he napped. I just, I couldn't even see like through the tunnel. It just, those were such hard days. And I don't know why I didn't see it earlier. I think it was just being a new mom with a new baby, just thinking like, oh my gosh, like I can't function. I can't function. (laughs) But I think it finally hit me one day that, you know what, it's not going to last forever. Like he's not going to be two and screaming his head off from four until 630 every day. You know, and here we are years down the road and it really, it did end and it's all fine and they're all amazing kids. Sometimes we just need to keep in mind that we're going to troubleshoot, we're going to figure it out and we're going to make it better and regardless that it will get past this stage. So Lisa, keep me posted and let me know how the trial and error goes. And if you find something that really sticks and works and you're able to get their schedules a little more solidified and rhythmic, I want to hear about it. And if you don't and you're struggling, I want to hear about it. Hey, Parenting Beyond Discipline listeners, ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? Look no further than Home Threads, your partner in crafting a nurturing environment. At HomeThreads.com, explore a thoughtfully curated collection of furniture designed for families who believe in positive parenting. From cozy reading nooks to durable playroom essentials, our pieces are crafted to enhance your parenting journey. Home Threads has an incredible selection of furniture, decor, and accessories like throw pillows, blankets to snuggle under for family movie nights or reading time that helps you create the warm, cozy home that is the foundation for happy family memories. I love all the great pieces I've gotten from Home Threads to finish the look in my home. Gorgeous yet durable and cozy accent throw pillows, blankets, and some really cute wall decor. I have an ocean theme throughout my downstairs, so I got a couple of really great wall pieces to finish that look. And some picture frames for the family photos. Visit homethreads.com parenting today and get a code for 15% off your order. That's homethreads.com parenting parenting to get your code for 15% off your order because great parenting deserves a great home. Home threads, love where you live. To me, there is nothing more important than my family's health and well-being. We all know the quality of the air in our home is important, but did you know indoor air quality can be up to a hundred times dirtier than outdoor air? I've got to tell you about Puro Air. In 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room. Puro Air uses a stronger filter called a HEPA-14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. In laboratory studies, users saw noticeably cleaner air in just 30 minutes. When it comes to babies and children, there's nothing worse than dealing with a cranky baby or child who can't sleep because of congestion. 
air purifiers can help reduce congestion and improve immune system function to fight those winter colds and flus. I use my Puro Air purifiers to clean the air in my home, especially in our bedrooms while we sleep. It has a quiet, relaxing hum and cleans the air from pet dander, allergens, viruses, dust, mold, odors, and contaminants. It has four levels, low, medium, high, and sleep and four different timer options so you can customize it to your home and your needs. Check out Puro Air at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. Puro Air is the only air filter that uses a HIPAA 14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. Okay, the next question is about sharing. Alex writes, Hello, Erin. I've been listening to your podcast since I was pregnant with my daughter, who is now 20 months, and it has been so encouraging listening to you each week during this time. You are definitely one of my main parenting role models, and I thank you for that. So I'm going to take a second here, and I want to say thank you so much, Alex, for that feedback. I really appreciate it because you never know who's out there and how many people are listening and if they're heeding your advice, if it's helpful. So it's really nice to know that the information that I share is helpful and supportive to parents out there, and that in turn, it helps their kids and the family as a whole. So thank you so much. So now back to Alex. She says, that being said, I'm having an issue that I don't recall being touched on. Please correct me if I'm wrong and send me in the right direction. My question is about sharing. And you aren't wrong, Alex. I have not talked much about this. I don't think if at all. So Obviously, my daughter is much too young to be expected to share consistently, but I am curious at which age this should be an expectation. We have a close friend that has a daughter the same age that we see several times a week for playdates. This mom is very concerned about sharing. She spends the entire playdate shuffling toys back and forth, explaining about sharing, and honestly, I kind of just sit back and let her do it. I can see her getting annoyed with this, but... It's my understanding that at this point in time, it's really unnecessary. I generally wait to step in if someone is upset about having a toy taken or if there is a toy that two children are wanting at the same time that is causing an issue. My friend, however, gets furious if a child takes a toy from her daughter's hand, even if her daughter doesn't seem to mind, and will sometimes even confront the parent. Of course, I encourage sharing with my daughter and give her descriptive praise when I see her doing it, but I don't make a big deal if someone takes a toy from her or vice versa as long as everyone seems all right with it. I guess my question is, should I be stepping in to ensure toys are never taken from another toddler? Am I wrong about letting them figure it out, unless someone is upset over the incident? How do you deal with other parents who have complete opposite ideas of how sharing with toddlers should be handled? I would love to hear any advice that you have on the topic. This is a great question because I think there's a big misunderstanding out there about this very topic about toddlers and sharing. I know that for all of us parents who are engaged with our kids, that of course we want our kids to work hard in school and be successful and be happy. But also, I think one of the biggest things that a lot of us parents want is to have kind, considerate, loving, caring children. And so the first thing our kids struggle with, of course, is sharing. And so many parents, out of the goodness of their hearts, coming from a good place, push their kids to share long before they're ready or can even understand the concept. So you're definitely onto the right track, Alex, with not pushing sharing at such a young age. I'm going to take a few minutes to talk about the development of self through these early ages. When babies are about nine months old, this is when they start to realize that they are a separate person from their caregiver. 
Now, this may sound strange, but when you think about it, when the baby is in the womb, they're attached to the mother. And when they're first born, they're just getting their basic needs met, comfort, feeding, affection, and bonding. We wrap them tightly. We hold them a lot. Their hearing and their vision is quickly developing in these early months. But around nine months, the baby begins to realize, I am my own person. This is the age where you may notice your child looking in the mirror, smile at him or herself, checking herself out. Recognizing him or herself in the mirror is the beginning of the development of the self, the ego. When the development of self begins, we start to see the push for a development of independence. And this is an important piece for growth. This is the internal motivation that I talk about a lot. This is what pushes our toddler to accomplish standing and walking and more so that he or she can go do things for him or herself. This is also why you hear a lot of words come out of their mouths like me and mine during this time. These toddlers are developing a strong sense of self, their own needs, wants, and desires in the world. This is a stage like any other stage that our toddlers have to get through to get to the next stage. And of course, we want that, right? We want them to have the strong sense of self, the determination, and the motivation to accomplish things for themselves. Now, the next stage, which starts around the age of three, is understanding the other, that other people have feelings and needs that may be different from their own needs. And this is why trying to teach sharing before a child has reached this next stage is counterproductive. It can work against the development of the self and will only frustrate both the child and the caregiver. It can make the child less interested in sharing, more prone to hoarding because they're being forced to do something they're not ready for. They're still developing their sense of self and what is theirs and what are their wants. So working against that, not a good idea. Now, that doesn't mean that if the child grabs a toy from another child who does get upset, that we just let it go. We will still guide and coach and teach the lesson. We would say something like, Your friend Cameron was playing with that toy first. She is upset and would like it back, so please give the toy back, and you can have a turn when she's done. But just like you mentioned, Alex, if the child is not upset about having a toy grabbed, it's perfectly acceptable and even recommended to just let it go. What we don't want to be doing is forcing a two-year-old to share or take turns. If a child is happily playing with a truck, it's not a good idea to jump in and say, okay, now it's Amelia's turn. It's important at this young age to let the child continue until he or she is done and moves on to something else. As we all know, toddlers are prone to do. They get bored after a bit and move on to another toy or activity. If it's a forced turn, then that child is likely to become more focused, overly focused on that toy that they're playing with because he or she begins to focus or ruminate on it possibly being taken away just as she gets into the play, which makes it even more valuable. So when it comes to sharing and teaching sharing, we can start to coach and guide kids around the age of two and a half to three and expect sharing to be fairly consistent between the ages of four and five, usually closer to five. So basically, by the time the child starts kindergarten, he or she should be pretty good about sharing and understand this concept of sharing pretty well. Now, I go into this development of the self and other developmental stages and milestones in the class on Your Developing Toddler, where I discuss milestones of all kinds, large motor, fine motor, social, emotional, like the sharing, 
cognitive, and more, as well as ways to support the development in all of these areas, including how to coach and teach sharing in age-appropriate ways, including how a parent or caregiver or teacher can gently work with a child who is still struggling with the concept of sharing once they hit three to three and a half. And this class is on the website at yourvillageonline.com under the health and development section. If you have a parenting question you would like answered, please send them to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening and see you next time.